I don't know how you say hurl in Chinese or Japanese, but it's going to happen. Domo origato. My daddy may now make an announcement. Okay, hey, welcome uh, to, yeah, you know what this is. Oh my God, do I have to say it again? You downloaded the darn thing. You know, it, it's not like uh, this just shows up in your computer. You're never here by accident. I, You know, I don't even know why I bother introducing, oh, there's the bitterest, well, I'm under the flying bath, international uh, loss, you know, you've, huh, please. Do we, must we? Can we just dispense with the formality for a moment before we discuss formality? We're going to discuss formality. Yes, it's the bitterest pill. I'm Dan Class. I'm under the flight path. I'm in my garage. Uh, you know, whatever. Right? Okay, fine. So, um, you know, uh, last time we spoke, my wife was outside the door staining some furniture that we bought at Ikea that we then uh, promptly assembled and um, placed. Now, here, here's a question for the, the folks at Ikea. See, what they do is they have these bookshelves, right? Now, the bookshelves we bought are called uh, Inga or uh, Ivan, Ivar, Billy, Carl, Steve, Frank. Uh, you know, something in my life I don't need humanized is the furniture, especially the cheap do-it-yourself stain job furniture. But we bought Ivars. We bought, they have this line of, uh, you know, do-it-yourself, put it together, stick pegs in it, put in the shelves, and you're done Ivar stuff, right? Well, one of the things that they have in Ivar is, uh, you know, it's mostly shelves, right? Brackets for the sides that hold the shelves and then the shelves and then you're done. But you can also get a tabletop, you know, like a desktop. And I guess what I don't fully understand, and I'm going to try to describe this to uh, those of you that can't see me, and let's face it, you, 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 you can't see me. Um, okay, the, the brackets that hold the shelves go up and down, right? Up and down. They're vertical, Right. Relatively, let's say they're 12 inches from front to back, two verticals. You're with me so far. You're going to put one on the left and one on the right. They're 12 inches deep and they're vertical, you know, perpendicular to the floor. And then between them, you put your horizontal. Uh, you're familiar with horizontal shelves. So what they also have, though, is the desktop. Now, the desktop, now this is what we're doing this for Hudson, right? He needs a desk. He's just going to bang around on the thing. So we're just going to get Ivar. We're going to stain it and uh, shellac it. And we're going to put a shelf near the top and a shelf near the bottom. And then about, you know, wherever desk height would be. We're going to stick Ivar's desktop, right? Makes sense. And then desktop is kind of, if you imagine a shelf within a semicircular piece that has been added to that. So the the general profile of this uh, Inga, uh, Ivar uh, desk is it's 12 inches, the braces the feet, the structure of it is 12 inches from which protrudes another 18 to 24 inches of desk. Now 
I don't think it takes an engineer to see how that that that's not going to stand up uh, for ten seconds, especially when uh, a nine-year-old, eight, nine-year-old boy is trying to do his math homework, and so he's got to show right. You, you see how where this is just never going to work. It's sticking out 12, 14, 18, I don't know, inches. This, this is, you know, it's the proportion of John Holmes. Imagine John Holmes. With, he's a very tall, thin guy, and then with enormous protrusion horizontal from his uh, perpendicular. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so now we've got to, and I, we haven't even done this. We got, we, now we have to screw it to the wall. Uh, a, you know, John Holmes analogy intended. We have to somehow screw it, brace it, uh, connect it to the wall. You know, our 52-year-old house, whatever it is, um, 50, 60, you know. It's a lath and plaster. This isn't drywall and stuff. You know, it's it's like they just, when they built the house, they put in the studs and then they just filled it with stuff. They, you know, whatever they had, old, old newspapers, plaster of Paris, cat remains. I don't know what's in these walls, but they don't hold anything, you know. So now Ivar has to be strapped down. And any time that you have to drill into, you don't, you, you, you know, you just don't. So, of course, it's the other day when my wife comes in. She comes into the office. Now I'm trying to do something on the computer. And I'm trying to do something that requires what I like to call concentration. Because I'm trying for the umpteenth time to move one domain from here over to there. And the here, you know, old school to new school. And old school, you know, I don't know what's going on. All I know is I tried this last year and I didn't, it took so long I had to pay old school, old school money. Instead of giving new school domain people new school money, right? Okay. So I'm concentrating. I'm trying to concentrate, right? There's a computer, keyboard screen. She comes in, my brow is furrowed interlocking hairs of the two eyebrows of the eyebrow area, deep concentration, grinding of the teeth, little flakes of white powder shooting from between my teeth where I'm grinding them. And she launches into some monologue about how I got to get some stuff at Home Depot and some L brackets because we got to break the, and I don't, all I hear is while I'm trying to figure out how to con GoDaddy into taking care of old school for me, right? Well, then I realize uh, that it's time to feed, uh, It's excuse me, it's not time to feed the fish. It's time to save the fish from uh, their untimely demise, which means uh, I have put off changing the water in the fish tank for so long that they're, they're going to croak. Any moment, there's going to be uh, floaty, floaty fish fish all in the tank. Now, as you uh, can imagine, when children want pets, it's a long negotiation process. And what you do is they, you know, they, my kids anyway, they typically start with wanting some sort of a huge and exotic creature that is illegal to have in this country, whether it's a zebra, antelope, lion, uh, polar bear, something of that nature. That's easy to talk them down from because, you know, you got all the import tariffs and uh, the fact that they'll kill you. Then, uh, of course, they want a dog. Now, uh, my wife is very allergic to dogs. Who knows which one? You're never going to know which one until it's here, and then it's kind of too late because the kids are committed. We can't do that. And then uh, Hudson wanted a guinea pig, but we didn't know where to put the guinea pig where it wouldn't be eaten by uh, cats and coyotes. You know? 
You hear these stories? I, I just heard on the radio. In fact, uh, on the radio today, there was a news story about a coyote grabbing a two-year-old by the head and dragging it off into the woods. I don't think the guinea pig is going to stand a chance. Uh, you know, cage be damned. So we got them down. You boil them down to fish. With the proviso, the guarantee, the oath, the promise that they will, under all and any circumstances, care for the fish, the feeding of the fish, the cleaning of the fish tank, etc., etc., the task, uh, of course, immediately falling on the shoulders of the father. Not the child, not the youngest, not the oldest, not the mother, the father. Now, the crud growing on the inside uh, of the tank was taking on the color and consistency of peanut butter. And I took this as a sign that maybe it was time to rotate some new water into the system. Because, see, of course, now, if I did this every week like I'm supposed to, you just take a little bit out of the tank. You take 10% of the water out, you put a fresh 10 in, you put some chemicals in there so everybody's hunky and a little dory, and then the fish don't need, I don't think they even have to be taken out of the tank. You just do, boop, 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 you're done. But when I wait till it's like, you know, effing skippy in there, you got to take the fish out. They're cho- I mean, they're choking. They're literally like, <coughs> you know. So you got to take the fish out. You got to put them in a bowl. Take all the water out. So I've got this whole thing that I'm trying to do before it's time to pick up Hudson. So then as I'm saying, I'm going to go pick up Hudson because I've finally got the tank squared away. The water is, you know, just sitting, relaxing. The water's got to get up to room temperature. My wife says, well, you know, oh, so hmm, you're not going to have time to go to home day. Well, before you go and then afterwards, you got to go to karate, get the kids. So there's not going to be time to get the brace. The brace for the table, you know, the desk, the John Holmes, Ikea, Ivar desk that is never going to stand up for 10 seconds. To which I say, well, honey. When did you say we had it? Well, when are you okay? Well, I was, yeah, I was, you know, when my brow is furrowed, please don't. So I say, okay, you know what? I'll get it. I'll get it soon. Maybe I'll get it tonight. I'll get it. Can I get it? Just, can I just get it tonight or later? I got to get, I got to, got to, no, as we're literally, as we're arguing about this, discussing, you know, rationally discussing this in the living room, there is a loud crashing sound in the general vicinity of Ivar, the useless desk. Princess Trooper, who weighs about two pounds, has brought the entire thing down on top of her. Or is rather, is about to bring it down on top of her, but she has caught it. She's a little panicked, but she's handling it. But with the sound of a couple of things, like a little dictionary and a little bongo drum, they're sliding off the desk. My wife immediately launches into screaming, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, at the top of her lungs, creating utter pandemonium and chaos within a quarter mile radius of the house. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Now my daughter is scared witless and is now bawling. 
as my wife, as is always the case, proceeds to not make sure the child is okay, but rather berate me for having questioned even for a moment that we needed to get the braces five minutes ago. The kid is still half holding the table and she, no, I told you, and this thing, and I didn't, and you would, and you said, and I said the thing with the thing. And then she goes, oh my God, look, our daughter is shaking. She's so scared. Yeah, she's scared. You have been yelling like a crazy person for five minutes and get, she's still trying to hold up the table. Could we please discuss this later? Could we handle the situation at hand before we then put me squarely in the doghouse with Ivar, the lopsided desk? We can't do we can't do that, huh? We got you gotta ream me out now. She's still just you right? Priorities? Oh. Oh. But it's not just my wife that does that. I I, mean, I do that too. I shouldn't name names, but let's just say a certain elderly neighbor of ours. He and his wife were doing something outside one day. And we live right near them. We happen to have a good view of their driveway. And the elderly neighbor lady was doing something outside. And she slipped and fell. And I guess she landed on part of her face and she hurt her cheek and her nose. And the elderly husband hears this, comes out and reads her the flipping riot act. Why can't you be more careful? You're going to slip and kill you. You know, because you're just scared. But I want to know what it is about human nature when you're in that kind of fear. You just want to smack the crap out of the person who's put you in, right? The person that needs you the most need your comfort and your patience for 10 stinking seconds, is standing there berating you or berating your father, depending on who's to blame. So I had a callback. I had basically, as I'm waiting for the callback, I run into this old comedian friend of mine, a uh, very funny man named Peter Sprite. And uh, I'm rapping with Peter. I'm like, you know, Sprite, I got to tell you, man. For the past, I don't even want to think about how many years I have had audition after audition, callback after callback. I've been put on a veils, put on a veils. I told you what that means, right? Where you're like, they're making damn sure you're ready. Because they're maybe going to book you and they got to make extra, extra sure that you're going to be around and nothing. So I'm like, Sprite, dude, I got, I, you know, I, I need my number to come up. I need a real bona fide, like residuals paying spot. I need, daddy needs to stop paying cash for his insurance. So I go in to the callback. And this is after waiting and waiting. You always have to wait. Callbacks are always behind schedule. So I go, it's finally my turn. You know, I got to wait for the muscle men. They got to do their thing, I guess. I don't know what the muscle men are doing in there. I am certainly not going in for the same part as the muscle men. So I'm the second guy to go in for my thing. And they don't introduce you to anybody. You know, it's always, uh, you know, five, six people sitting around. 
and uh, they're eating. They're always eating something, something very expensive, I'm sure. You don't get introduced. You just sit down or stand or whatever you got to do, and you do your little thing, and then they kick you out. So, okay, Dan, sit there and say your name, and then we're going to do your little thing. So I do my little thing, and I, you know, I'm being interviewed. And I do my little thing, and I do, you know, uh, I talk like I'm talking to you right now. And I finish, and then this voice from behind the camera, some dude sitting, goes, hey, you know, that that was awesome. See, that, that okay, that was really awesome. That was great. D- d- good job, man. You know what? You know what? I don't want to even, I don't even give you a lot of direction. That was perfect. I love the look for this thing. This is great. And that was great. You're very good. Which I said, thank you. Tell you what, let's, uh, let's just do it one more time. But, but, you know, at the very end, maybe do it this way instead of that way, just to see how it looks or whatever. I do it again. It's like, ah, dude, that's great. Awesome. Okay, cool. Wow. Super. That's cool. All right. Hey, listen, guys. And he turns to the other guys, you know. Hey guys, you know anything? You know we this right? I mean, we got, we're not going to play with this. This is this is good. So the one guy goes, "Well, could you ask him to do it? Um, you know, like he's saying it this way instead of that way." So like, Dan, uh, you know, before you go, do you mind? I'm like, nah, man. I'll hey, listen. I'll do, I'll give you anything you want. I'll stay here all day. I don't give a crap. So I do it, babe. Beautiful. Okay, that's it. Listen, that's great, dude. Thanks for coming in. You're really great. We love you. You're great. We love you. You're great. Get the hell out of here. So I leave, I say bye to Sprite, I'm off, I go to karate. You know, it's time to watch the kids. This is, this is the greatest day. I have a great callback, and then I get to watch the kids at karate. And I'm feeling very confident that I'm going to end up on a veils, which means they're going to make extra sure that I'm ready. And they're going to give me this commercial. And I'm finally going to come on to this podcast and tell you all about the experience of shooting a commercial. Because let's face it, I haven't shot anything since that silly uh, CSI thing, and God only knows when that was. So, of course, right on schedule, the assistant to my agent calls the next day, Dan, they would like to put you on a veils for the uh, such-and-such commercial. We should know tomorrow, Friday, whether you booked it or not. They want to make sure you're, are you available? Yes, I'm available, absolutely. Listen, for these people, I love, uh, you know, let's make this happen. So I figure I'm going to go to Portland, and at some point I'm going to get a call. I'm going to find out I got the commercial. That's why I'm so worried. I'm so worried that I'm going to run out of juice on my phone because i got to get the big call, because i got to book this thing, because i got to make everybody happy. It's going to calm my wife. It's going to calm my agent, and it's going to calm me. Let's do this thing. I haven't heard a damn thing. Not a peep. Not a peep. I'm the greatest. Dan, you are the greatest. You are so good. Your look, your acting, the hang, the delivery, you're hysterical. We're laughing our asses off. We're going to hire that guy. See that guy right there? That's the guy we're actually going to hire. Uh, we're not really ever, you're never going to know why, but we're getting that guy over there. Not you. That, right? Yeah. Him. Not, no. So I don't know. I, I, I start to think the directors love me and then the agency people hate me or the clients don't. You know, they want to go another way. I don't know what's going on. I, re- I really don't. I don't know if I need more hair or less hair or if it's just they think I'm a- I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I got nothing. But there's always a carrot right here just dangling on a string. Shung, 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 shung. Bite me, bite me. That, that was awesome. 
See that, that okay, that was really awesome. That was great. Da, da, good job, man. Bite me, bite me. Bite me, bite me. That that was awesome. See that, that okay, that was really awesome. That was great. Da, da, good job, man. Bite me, bite me. Bite me, bite me. You're acting, the hang, the delivery, you're hysterical, we're laughing our asses off, we're gonna hire that guy. You're acting, the hang, the delivery, you're hysterical, we're laughing our asses off, we're gonna hire that guy. We're gonna hire that guy. And that was great. You're very good. And that was great. You're very good. We're gonna hire that guy. 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 Hire that guy. We're gonna hire that guy. We're gonna hire that guy. Gonna hire that guy. Hire that guy. Uh, I've, I've, uh, now you know. Oh, if you've, if you listen to the show, you know, normally, and I don't know. For all I know, you, you know, you don't. I don't. You know, I have no guarantee that you're listening to any of this. Um. You know, the kids started karate a couple of weeks ago. Karate. They, they did. They started. And I, I got it in my head that I wanted to start karate because I need to. Or I'm going to lose the ability to uh, walk. So what I did and kind of to prepare myself, you know, uh, psychomentally. Because, see, I knew that I had a heavy bag. You know, a heavy bag, a punching bag, a big punching bag. Back, you know, a couple of years ago. I bought a punching bag, a big, heavy, 70 pound or 100 pound or whatever it is. Not the little 40, 50 pound that you get for the girlies. No, no, no. A 70 pound big sack of cotton covered in uh, naugahyde or whatever. I went for the cheapo one. I didn't get the Everlast. I am not that cool. But tirade, you know, trooper, karate girl, she found out that I had this heavy bag. And so she wanted me to get it out because she wanted to punch the hell out of it. So I finally, you know, it was back here in the garage. It was back in the corner, the absolute corner, in a in a little area of the corner where two shelves come together and this one's full of Christmas stuff and this one's full of stuff. I don't even know what's in those boxes. It was in there. You know what I mean? So the Herculean task of just getting the bag, the 70 pound, 80, 100 pound, whatever it is of dead bag weight, getting it out of the garage and into a tree, hanging from a tree by myself. That alone, I think, put a, a good five years onto my life. Because, you know, you got a rickety ladder that you leave out in the rain all the time. You've got the bag. You find the chain. So, you know, you got a chain, a bag, a ladder. It's the ladder's wobble, wobble, right? But I was bound and determined, I'm telling you right now. Bound and determined. I don't know what bound. Bound? I guess you're bound, right? You're bound. You're heading somewhere and you're determined to get there to lug that stupid bag inch by inch by inch. My God, this is heavy. I'm going to kill myself. Now, I didn't really think it through because I did get it up there. I got it up there and I got the chain over and I got it on the chain. And so there it is. It's hanging. It's a little too high for me, which means, guess what? It's really too high for the kids. Now, the only way I can hang it in this spot is because we've cleared the bushes out of there. 
There used to be big bushes there, three or four bushes that kind of go uh, went along underneath this tree. They're gone. But see, I haven't really gotten a chance to dig out the carcasses. So basically what I have is some sort of ninja training ground where there's a big black heavy bag, big 100 pounds of cotton hanging from the tree in a big sack. And around it on three sides are bushes where all the branches have been cut off, all the leaves have been cut off. So they're just these big spiky wads of death. Big pointy branches all heading. So if you were punching the bag and punched it too hard and it swung around and hit you and happened to knock you off your feet, you would be impaled and die. Great for me. Not so great for the nine and five-year-olds who also live here. So they've been sworn off the bag. They can't, they're not allowed. It's right over there now. They can't, no, no way. But I, you know, it hung there. It hung there for a couple of days before I even touched it because I had to rest up. And I was going to work out then one day. Not, not really work out. I was just going to show, you know, tirade. I was going to show her. She could punch it a couple times. Listen, I'm not exaggerating. I, I maybe punched that bag uh, five times. Right? Maybe four times, maybe six times, roughly five times. And I could barely lift my arm, my right arm, the next day. And it still hurt the day after that. This is all kind of, in, you know, in unison with my decision to begin, uh, uh, officially begin my uh, resurrecting my martial arts training. Which is, uh, you know, obviously not for, uh, you know, it's just to get in shape. I really, basically, I need a big, uh, loud Japanese guy to tell him, tell me to do push-ups. That, that, I mean, that's really what it all boils down to. It's not that I really need to, you know, be able to spar and do all that stuff. What I need a big Japanese guy to tell me to, you know, hit the ground and give me a hundred. That, that's it. And for that, I, I am apparently willing to pay a, a decent amount of money every month. But you know what? If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Listen, I know I'm a grown man. I know how it works. If you exercise, you're more healthy. If you don't exercise, you're not more healthy. I wake up every morning and I say to myself, you know, Dan, your life, listen to me, Dan, Dan, your life would be so much better on so many levels if you would get out of bed right now and actually exercise. And you know what? And then I say to myself in reply, no, not so much right now. Right? This can go on uh, apparently for 40 years. So, I decided that I'm going to have a big Japanese guy, uh, you know, tell me uh, to exercise. So Tuesday, is this right? Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm all confused now. Yeah, it was, t it was Tuesday. So Tuesday, I decide I'm going to go to karate and I'm going to, you know, take the free demo class or whatever. And I'm going to see how it goes, but I've never seen the adult class. Well, I can't, uh, I can't eat beforehand. I can't eat. I can't think. I don't want the kids to talk because I just need to be swirling around and around and around in my mind uh, how I, I'm afraid that I'm going to puke at karate class. Because that's what's going to happen. Because basically, I'm in such horrible shape 
And they're going to tell me to do push-ups and sit-ups. They're going to tell me to do jumping jacks, and then they're going to do do this kick, do that kick, do this block, do that block, do this block, do that block, and now let's do this, and, and I'm going to throw up. I am going to throw up at karate. And the key to karate is to not make a mess of the dojo. That's really one of the, the first rules. One of the first rules of karate is you don't wear your shoes on the mat. You got to bow when you come in, and when you go out, you got to bow to the t- And you don't throw up all over the place. That's all I thought about all day Tuesday is not throwing up. I didn't feel like I had to throw up. I just knew I was going to throw up. And the reason I have this fear is when I was at Kung Fu, starting to do Kung Fu was very hard because I was in terrible shape then, just like I am now. And it was really hard and I would be sore for days, just like I am now. But there was no fear of throwing up at Kung Fu until the day we started to spar. You know, play fight. There was something about that that I was like, oh God, oh God, okay, we have reached some sort of uh, a cardiovascular threshold, and I don't know if my if it's the jumping up and down, I don't know if it's the jumping forward and backwards, I don't know if it's the heart rate, the lung rate, I don't know, but I'm going to hurl. I don't know how you say hurl in Chinese or Japanese, but it's going to happen, domo origato. Konnichiwa, pyuki-san. You got me? It was great. It was great. It was great. Karate was great. It was hard. It was nostalgic. It was very ceremonial. You know, it's like going to church. You bow, you bow, you genuflect, you do this, you do this, you have a little water ceremony at the end, you all get to know. You know what? I got to tell you. Because you never know what you're going to get when you go into one of those situations. You you know, uh, not everybody's Mr. Miyagi. And not every student is uh, Daniel's son. You know what I mean? Uh, you get uh, some people that go into martial arts to be very zen. We talked about this before. To be very zen, some people get into martial arts to kick a little uh, tushy. Right? At my age and in my demeanor, uh, I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be in the tushy kicking class. I want to be in the zen, mellow, chill, Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off class. You learn to kick ass. You just don't think about it like kicking ass. See, there's a fine line. I know it's a fine. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. You gotta walk it. You gotta walk it like grasshopper, right? And when I can snatch the pebble from my teacher's hand, it's time for me to burn my wrists on a cauldron of fire. That's all I know. I did not throw up. I bowed. We washed the floor. We had a water ceremony. I can't wait to go back. I got to tell you. And if I throw up, I don't care. I'll just clean it up. Apparently, if I throw up, it's me that's going to clean it up anyway. Whether I throw up or not, I'm going to be wiping the floor. And I hate to clean. But the instructor there, Grandmaster. Kancho is the title for a Grandmaster of Karate. Kancho told a story. Not, not a story so much. It's, it's just a kind of verbalizing an attitude. And it was this. About, about cleaning. He said, when you clean something, let's say a toilet, when you clean the toilet, you get something out of it. You get a clean toilet. But also, as you clean the toilet, you yourself become clean. 
And so after you clean the toilet, you should thank the toilet for making you clean. I, I know this sounds right. If you're not, maybe, you know, if you're not sitting in a meditative position with your uh, calves and, uh, you know, screaming in uh, resistance, maybe it makes less sense. I got to clean my toilet. That, that's really what I'm saying. It's all point of view. And it's all about cleaning your own toilet. Domo arigato. Domo. Uh, thanks for stopping by. This has been The Bitterest Pill. I know. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, listening, whatever you're doing. What, whatever you're doing. Honestly, cleaning your toilet. Maybe you're cleaning your toilet. Maybe that, you know what? Maybe I found the niche. Maybe this is the new Zen audio blog slash podcast slash, uh, you know, whatever. For people cleaning themselves by cleaning their toilets. Right? You know, I have no idea. Uh, 206-309-0130 is the number to call. Why would you call that? You know, I, I have no idea. Listen, I don't know. I don't know what your story is. Can you just call me? Leave me a message. Could you just do that? Now, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be on the show, if you want to say hi, whatever, give me a call. That's that, okay? Um. So that's it. Thank you very much. This is the end of the audio show, okay? Audio show is ending. Dan, Kelly in San Francisco, subscriber, listener of long, many years, hours. Uh, anyway, just listen to the premium podcast where you had to walk through the empty terminal at San Francisco. Uh, and, you know, I, I frequently am at that airport, given that I, I live in San Francisco and I travel a fair bit. And the empty terminal is very creepy. Uh, I have had to walk through it on a couple of occasions. It's sort of like, uh, it reminds me of like 28 Days Later or a zombie movie where every, everyone is, is not there, um, but, but things are perfectly preserved. And you walk through and, and I expect people to jump out from behind the desk to, to try to eat me. Um, it, it's very strange. It used to be the International Terminal. Uh, and then the International Terminal moved and got its own terminal and now that one just sits there. So maybe a nice airline will move into it and offer more cheaper fares out of San Francisco. But until that time, it's just polished and empty and creepy. Anyway, I just thought I would let you know. Goodbye. Commodore's Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.